Hello, I'm Brian Foster, and today I'm talking about Spiritism, and we are live streaming today on Sunday, January 16th, 2022. We're going over another couple chapters in the book, The Spiritist Review of 1858, and that is when Alan Kardec was still alive and editing monthly editions of his magazine, and this book has all 12 editions of the of the year 1858 from Alan Kardec's magazine, The Spiritist Review. Before we begin, let's have a little prayer. Dear Jesus, please help us and inspire us to keep us calm and have us love our family and friends, be more forgiving, be more tolerant, be less prone to anger and retribution, and try and help us rewire our brains so we can spiritually mature while we are in this body, on this physical body on earth, learning how to be kind and compassionate so we may improve ourselves and be ready to ascend in heaven. Amen. So before I begin on the Spirit's Review of 1858, please, uh, if you are more interested in Spiritism, go to my site, nwspiritism.com, and you can download the PDF book, Spiritism 101, The Third Revelation. It's on the right-hand navigation bar. You can find it. It's, it's Spiritism 101. It's in PDF formats, totally free. It's also in French, totally free. If you want it in another format, in Kindle, which is 99 cents, paperback, or Audible format. And I have my other books on the right-hand side navigation page. So... That will give you an overview. It's, it's about 100 pages, and it will tell you about spiritism, the basic tenets of spiritism, and gives you a good introduction. Okay, let's begin. Now, this is a lesson of calligraphy by a spirit. I'll start. Generally speaking, the spirits are not masters of calligraphy, hence the writings for the mediums are not typically elegant. With respect to that, one of our mediums, Mr. D, presented an exceptional phenomenon that was a production of a much better writing under the inspiration of the spirits than from his own capacity. His normal calligraphy is really bad. He does not brag about it, saying it is the trait of the great spirits. Now remember, this is 1858, so... I probably couldn't survive them because your writing has to be legible because people wrote letters. There was no internet, none of that. And so being able to write well was a, uh, a very important talent to have. However, he acquires a special talent, very distinct according to the communicating spirit. And it is always the same with the same spirit, but always clearer, more legible, and more correct. With some writings, it has an English style marked by some audacity. One of the members of the society, Dr. V, had the idea of evoking a distinct calligraphy expert with the, object the objective of observing the writings. He knew one expert by the name of Bertrand, deceased a couple years back, with whom he had the following conversation in another session. So I thought this would be interesting because this just shows you how mediums are trying to use another session to understand about a different session with a different spirit and why some things happen. So this this is 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 really exposing kind of the scientific approach uh, enforced and and uh, 
and really encouraged, I should say, by Alan Kardec, where you, you're trying to find things out and you're trying not to just which we not just to to trust the word of one spirit or say, hey, that's neat, but really dive deeper and find out, okay, why did this happen? And did this happen for what reason? And then talk to other spirits who may know something about it and really critically think about everything because I know this is something that a lot of that happens in spiritualism, not spiritism, is where people unquestionably just take whatever a spirit communicates and thinks, oh, that's that's a spirit. You must know what he or she's doing. Well, no, that's not true. Now, Kardec has said that many times. You have to, you, know, you have to communicate with the spirit through uh, as many times as you need. Eventually, they will expose themselves at, to their true level. And it might be interesting for a lot of people is to, is to look at and read the book, The Book of Mediumship, the Book of Mediums, I believe, by Alan Kardec. And you can download that PDF. Just type in Alan Kardec space PDF. You'll find all his main five books in PDF format on any search engine. And then read that, the Book of Mediums. And it'll tell you the levels of spirits, how you can detect those levels, and uh, much other really important information if you are all interested in mediumship. Okay. Now we'll go through the, uh, the conversation during the medium session. Number one. Following an evocation procedure, he responded, I am here. Where, where were you when we invoked you? I was already near you. Do you know the main reason that made us evoke you? No, but I wish to know. So he's probably told by other spirits, saying, this person's going to evoke you. Come here and stand by. Because they, they know, they see the future. Observation. The spirit of Mr. Bertrand is still in the influence of matter, as it is reasonable to suppose. It is a known fact that such spirits are less capable of reading our thoughts than those who are less materialized. Exactly. Four, we would like to have you writing through a medium, a, cal a calligraphic text with the characters you would use when alive. Can you do that? And he said, I can. Observation. Since those words, the medium, who does not apply the rules learned from the masters of calligraphy, Assume the correct posture without noticing, both of the body and the hand. Everything else is written in the attached facsimile. As a means of comparison, we also reproduce the normal writing of the medium. Do you remember the circumstances of your earthly life? Some, is the answer. Could you tell us in which year did you die? I died in 1856. How old were you? I was 56 years old. In which city did you leave, live? St. Germain. What was your lifestyle? I tried, to, I tried to satisfy the bodily needs. Did you take care of matters related to beyond the grave? The answer is almost nothing. Do you regret the fact that you no longer belong to this world? The answer is I regret not having effectively used my time. Are you happier than on earth? No, I suffer for the good deeds I did not do. So let that, that, I mean, I hear that many times, that I suffer because of what I did not do. So take the time out to do something that is nice or understanding or compassionate. You will never regret it. You'll never regret the lost time that you didn't devote to something that just gave you small desires and small happiness and what you did in service. In fact, there have been studies then that people remember the, the most fondly are times when they were of service to others. Number 13, what do you think about the future that awaits you? The answer is, I think I need all of God's mercy. 
What are your relationships in the world where you are? Regrettable and unhappy relationships. So he's probably in the lower zone with other people who suffer as this poor person does. 15, when you come to earth, do you go to some places preferable to others? I look for some souls that have compassion for my penalties or pray for me. 16, do you see earthly things with the same clarity as before? I don't bother seeing them. If I did, it would be another cause of displeasure. So again, this is a low spirit still on the lower plane uh, material. But it shows you that material things, since they can't really possess them or do anything with them, they lose, they lose the pleasure in them. They lose attachment eventually. And that's what the low, lower level is supposed to be, is for those who are too materialistic to rise to heaven, they will lose. They'll eventually lose their attachment to material things. Some people, it takes a long time. But again, as when people talk about, oh, I don't know if I'm going to miss this when I'm in heaven, everything changes. Things are still familiar, but your priorities change a lot. And those that, that you just love, like your new car or your... Uh, vacations that they become a lot less important when you're in the spirit world. There are other things that that give you much greater pleasure than you ever had before. Number seventeen, they say that you show little tolerance when alive. Is that true? I was much violent. What do you think about the objective of our meetings? The answer is, I wish I could have known about them when I was alive. They would have made me better. Do you see other spirits where you are? Yes, but I feel confused in their presence. Number 20. We pray to God that he may have you in his saint mercy. The feelings that you have just expressed should allow you to find grace before him. We don't doubt that they will help in your progress. The answer is, I thank you. May God protect you. I praise him for that. I hope my time comes. Observation. The teaching, the teaching provided... Uh, by the spirit Mr. of Mr. Beatrand are absolutely exact and in agreement with the lifestyle and his known character. It is only when confessing his inferiority and his mistakes that the language is more serious and elevated than what one could expect. Once more, we have the proof of the difficult situation of those who are very attached to matter. It is how the inferior spirits sometimes give us by their example valuable moral lessons. And I saw this over and over again, when I was in mediums meetings, I'm not a medium. I was always on on the you know not at the table, but at the, on you know in a chair against the wall. And when people are in the lower zone, having just newly passed over, they're confused, and they they don't really understand where they are, and they don't understand why they are where they are. And that's where a lot of mediums meetings in spiritual centers in, in Brazil and hopefully in other parts of the world, they come and, and the spirits have them talk to other physical humans. Now you can ask, well, they're in the spirit world. Can a higher spirit come and talk to them? And the answer is they still feel affinity for other physical humans. And they want to hear that, that point of view, that opinion from another human not from a spirit who they see as something completely uh, as a different entity, so to speak. They don't really know why are they why are they what they are, and they just feel so uh, uh, superior 
and they want to know someone on their level like a child wants to talk to another child at his or her age and so this is why they go through this period of confusion but eventually they have um, these lower level spirits who want to advance they will talk to other spirits in fact that's been in some of the books I've I've read to you over the over the time where as a spirit who's just now wanting to become a better person and rise in the, in the spirit hierarchy, they will be given the task of talking to other lower spirits and saying, okay, this is what happened to me. Uh, this is how I got better. You know, kind of like AA meetings. I haven't been to one, but what I hear about is, you know, they talk to each other they, and, and, you know, and, and they give people's mentors and they, and usually they give the mentor people who've been through a similar situation. So the same thing here. Okay, now we'll go to page 192. I, so I skip around here because some of these things like here, correspondence, is not that interesting. And it's, it's more topical to the 1850s where I try to bring you uh, information that is kind of more uh, timely, timeliness. Okay. Timeless, I should say, not timeliness. Okay, so this is a, a dissertation on charity by the spirit of Vincent St. Paul. And this was given by, uh, to the Society of Spiritual Studies during a medium session of June 8th, 1858. Of course, these things are eternal. I will start. Be good and charitable. This is the key placed in your hands. The whole eternal happiness is contained in this statement, love one another. The soul cannot rise to the spiritual regions unless through dedication to their neighbor. It cannot find happiness and consolation, but in the ecstasy of charity. Be good, help thy brothers, and put aside this horrible ulcer of selfishness. Now let's talk about this for a second. So, in the Spirit's book, they say what is What's the, the main thing that is holding us back from improving? And they say selfishness. Selfishness leads to pride, avarice, all sorts of things. Because think about it. When we were a, a primitive spirit and we were living in tribal or even before tribes and we had to survive, well, being selfish helped us survive. And... You know, there's a good reason. And those who are the most selfish probably survived <laughs> the longest. But as we move out and from a planet of uh, a primitive planet to a planet of atonement where we are now, and now we are moving to a planet of regeneration, our job is to replace those primitive emotions, selfishness, pride, thirst for revenge, or, uh, revenge anger, jealousy, all those things with civilized emotion, which is love, charity, uh, fraternity, and honesty. And this is why this is so important, because the central fact of why we are on Earth is to rewire our brain to, re to remove those primitive urges and replace those with the more civilized feelings. And this is tough. This is not a something you, you say, oh, I'm you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and then it's done. No, this is, this is, you know, 
years, decades. I've been working on it decades, and I'm still not where I want to be because these these primitive emotions are so ingrained into us that it's hard to put aside when you think that all of a sudden someone has has uh, hurt your pride. You don't lash out at them. There's a marvelous story. Socrates, who was one of the ministers of Jesus, and every, of course his students loved him, the ones who talked to him. And one time he was leaving his house. And of course his wife just was mad at him constantly because he didn't care about that much about money. And um, so she yelled and yelled at him. And then just before she was, he was leaving the door, you know, from his yard, she poured water on him. And as he got out the door, he told his students that were accompanying him, him he said, well, there's always rain after thunder. And that just shows you. He just, you know, took this as, okay, that happened. And this is what I live with. He didn't get mad, didn't get angry, didn't go back and throw water at, at the woman. He just knew that's, you know, that's her, uh, unfortunately. And uh, it didn't disturb him. He didn't let it disturb him. Didn't let it ruin his day. Now, can I say that when things like that happen to me? No. I wish I could. He's much superior than I could ever be. But this is the kind of something, this is the kind of, a plateau we need to help achieve where we don't let the little things on earth bother us. And in fact, Socrates also said, look, no one can be that wise or that smart here on earth. And the reason is because you have a thousand distractions hitting you all the time. It's all, almost impossible to concentrate when you're in human format. And, and of course, this is on purpose because we are here not to become geniuses we are here to 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 retool our personality and our character to become more calm happy and wholesome people that's why you're here increasing our wisdom and our knowledge is will be done in the spirit world as we go from college to college and we will understand and i talk about this in my book spirits uh, spirits in the spirit world in book two of spiritism of how spirits are they are go through classes and colleges on each level of heaven they graduate and when they graduate it's not it's not a uh, a question of time or a question of a of a certificate no if you graduate when you have your knowledge and your internal love and kindness and internal beauty and it, it, together that you can then go to the next level and as you go to the next level you you become transformed you're given more spiritual power you become less dense more more energy let me carry on once this duty has been accomplished it shall be open to you the paths of eternal happiness as a matter of fact who among you has not felt the heartbeat and intimate joy expanding by the practice of one single act of charity you should not think but in that kind of happiness provided by a good deed with what you shall always be in the path of spiritual progress. There is no lack of examples. It is only the willpower that is rare. See the crowd of good men whose devoted memory history remembers. I can name by the thousands those whose moral had no other objective but to improve your globe. 
Hasn't Christ told you everything that concerns the virtue of charity and love? Why his divine teachings are left aside? Why are the ears covered to his divine words and his heart closed to all the sooth teachings? And this is the interesting too, it's also said, uh, told to us by spiritualism when, they, when he said, I can name by the thousands of those who moral had no other objective but to improve your globe. And uh, spiritualism has said through the spirit saying that, you know, the ones who've really made a difference, you don't know who they are. The, the higher spirits who've actually improved themselves, most of the time, you don't know who they are. You know the ones who've, who've done, uh, I don't know about great things, but big things, right? But then they've, they've, uh, they've had to violate a lot of the divine laws. They've had to violate their conscience by peop uh, treating people cruel and doing uh, many regrettable things. And some of these things people had to do. As an example, Henry VIII. Now, Henry VIII was put on earth for one of his, his missions was to, to take England away from the Catholic Church. And even in the book, uh, on, the, on the Way to the Light by the Spirit Emmanuel, they said, you know, Henry VIII had a lot of good things about him. He didn't really go into all the negative things, like when he killed his wives. And he, you know, because being king at that time, there were a lot of, I don't know if they're, if the word necessary, but probably more custom, you know, custom of being cruel to a lot of your, uh, your subjects. And, uh, so these things, it's tough. It's tough being good in this, even in this day age, not, not to mention 500 years ago or 300 years ago or so. But so a lot of people are sent on divine missions, but do a lot of harm too. Now, Napoleon's another example. His mission actually was to reorganize France after the uh, Republic was founded. He went way beyond what his mission was when he tried to conquer all of Europe. And they knew he was on the wrong path as soon as he tried to invade Egypt. So there are many wonderful people out there, but they have to do some things that are harsh. And then again, there are many, many more people out there that have lived their life the way they should live their life, but you never know them. And a lot of that is the fault of our mainstream media who only, who only promote people who are selfish and prideful and look only for themselves and want to climb power or have vast luxury. That's why we need to uh, ignore most of it and look for ourselves, those who deserve our admiration. Okay, let me carry on. Why his divine teachings... Oh, I mean, uh, I read that already. I wish the reading of the gospel were done with more personal interest. But that book is abandoned. It is transformed into empty expressions and dead words. That remarkable code is forgotten. All your evils come from the voluntary abandonment allowed to its summary of the divine laws. Thus, read these those pages of fire from Jesus' devotement and meditate about them. I feel ashamed myself for daring to promise you an essay about charity when I think that in the book you will find all teachings that you should take to the celestial regions. And, that, and I think that is a really interesting when he says that that book is abandoned, talking about the, the, the Bible. And I read that when I was younger and didn't know about spiritism, and I read it one way, but after I learned about spiritism, 
the Bible became so much more alive and the words written meant so much more. And to me, that is remarkable. When I was reading, I'm going to paraphrase this incorrectly, and it was in Corinthians, the beginning of Corinthians, when he said that, you know, uh, the... Uh, Oh, I forgot. He said that you know the the people who who know everything and and you know they will be it's the foolish that will that will that will carry over. I have to look that up, but uh, let me look that up because that's an important one. I apologize for carrying us off here, but it was just it, to me it just said so much more than I ever knew before, and it was exciting. It was exciting to read that. Here we go. So let me give you an example. In Corinthians, Corinthians 1, 18 to um, 25. Let me bring this up on the screen. Let me put this down for a second. Let me hide this. And let me bring up Corinthians 1 uh, screen. Now I'll give you an example. To me, that was... Just very interesting of what how the how I understood so much more than I understood before. Okay, this is Corinthians one eighteen to twenty five. Let me get rid of this here so we can see it better. Okay, for the word of the cross is falling to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is in the power of God. So far, so good. For it is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. So when I was younger and I read that, I go, destroy the wisdom of the wise? Discerning, the discernment of the discerning? Well, I, I don't understand that. Then it goes on. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the word world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and, and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolish, foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger. than men. So, understanding spiritism, let's open this up. So, this passage, and to me is the destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. And to me, this, this passage is just completely relevant to what we are going through today. Because what are we going through today? We are going through the the mainstream media the the graduates of the of the pos and exclusive universities that know better than us that think of us as the poor peasants the misled the people who are spiritual or religious that we are just grabbing and we're using as you know religion and spirituality and the belief in a higher power as a crutch for our own failed lives and, th and so this passage just this leaps out is that 
is of course you know is this whole group of people who whose whose religion really is the state maybe climate change wokeness uh feeling guilty about past ancestors all these things which is just uh not important and not pertinent to really of who we are and what we are in relation to the spirit world and God and Jesus. And so this is why I'm saying that spiritism has, has just like made the Bible much more alive. And it's made me, when I read these things and I really think about them in context, because I know that I'm on a personal spiritual journey to learn to become a better person in my multi-life journey. And for me to become a better person, I have to understand how to do that. And this is where you read things like destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of discerning. You understand that even though you are bombarded by this, you know, cultural monopoly, uh, you know, instead you have to seek out those who have the same moral fiber and the same spiritual aim in life and learn from them and learn yourself read what you think you know you need to read fashion yourself that's why we're here spiritism doesn't say oh you don't believe this you're going to go to hell and rot forever no you're never going to go and do anything eternally except live it's always a journey. Sometimes you might end up in the lower zone. I'm sure I've been there. I'm sure I've been in the dark abyss and, you know, hopefully evolved my way out of there, tried to become a better person. And so, but so that's why spiritism really just gives you uh, the tools for you to motivate yourself. Cause I can't motivate you motivate yourself that there's a reason why you should become a better person. That reason is because you're going to have so much power in the spirit world then you in the physical world you have you know your, your your mind is just one tool right in the spirit world thought is action and that's why you have to rewire your brain to become a better person okay let me um get back to where we were on on that okay we, let me uh hope you bring this up on a second Okay, here we are. I'll start again on the St. Vincent de Paul. Strong men, get ready. Weak men, have by weapons your kindness and your faith. Have more persuasion, more constancy in the propagation of your new doctrine. We came, we only came to bring you encouragement. It is only to simulate the zeal and virtues that God allows us to manifest to you. But if you want, you won't need anything but God's help and your own willpower. The spiritist manifestations were made but to the closed eyes and indulcial hearts. There are men among you that must execute missions of love and charity. Listen to them and exalt their voices. Make their merits shine and you will be exalted by the disinterest and by the living faith that shall impregnate you. Too extensive and detailed to should be the advice is given you about the widening of the circle of charity, about the inclusion of all the unfortunates in this circle whose miseries are ignored. 
and about every pain which should be sought after in their own refuge to console them. In the name of this divine virtue, charity, I see with satisfaction the number of prominent and powerful men that help in search for that progress, which shall unite all human classes, the fortunate and disgraced. Strange thing, all the unfortunate extend their hands and help one another in their own misery. Why do the happy ones take so long to hear the voices of the unfortunate? Why is it necessary a powerful earthly hand to promote the charitable missions? Why don't they respond with more zeal to those appeals? Why do they allow misery as if with pleasure blemishing the image, image of humanity? Now, this is one of the things I think we need to also think about in our modern world. Is we have a tendency since we, uh, many of us have a job, we go, we pay extensive taxes. We don't really feel the need for charity because the government does that. They give people, in many, not all countries, but in many countries they give people, they make sure people are fed, health is taken care of, all these type of things. And we just farm it out to somebody else because that's just money spent. And we had no, and we had no choice in spending that money. We had to give that money away in the form of some sort of taxation. And I believe that, you know, government help is certainly required to help people truly in need. But we do kind of go over and then we sometimes we teach people because of this whole huge government and without having a face to it, we go overboard and we train people not to do anything. I'm against that. But I'm also against having individuals abandon that quest to give charity and people should work on themselves and, and not just give money, but give time and understand what the poor are going through. Many people are poor for very good reasons. And they are very nice and wonderful people. It's just that they never had the opportunity for education. I've known people here in Brazil who had, you know, raised by families that were alcoholics. Uh, education was never important in their household. And now, so they are also uneducated unfortunately we've tried to help them it's amazing how many we've tried to help say look we'll help you go to the school they just won't do it they just don't want to it's not in it's it's not uh part of their dna let's say it, it, it you know unless i don't think people understand and we try to tell them how important it is to is to keep your children engaged and know the importance of education and that's to me, to me is what we've fought the most of here when we are in uh, this country, in Brazil, is the fact that they just, you know, their education not important. Now there are exceptions. We try to help that, but it's just most of the time we're just met that you know if you really want. It's like Jesus said, if you don't give a man, you know, if you want someone not to go hungry, teach a man how to fish. Right? Don't give him fish because that lasts for a day teach them and help them get out of it themselves. Let me carry on. Charity is the fundamental virtue that must sustain the whole edifice of the earthly virtues. Without it, without it, there is no other. Without charity, there is no faith or hope. Without charity, there's no help, hope of a better fate or moral interest to guide us. Without charity, there is no faith, since faith is a pure light beam that enlightens a charitable soul in its decisive consequence. 
When you allow your heart open to the first supplicating miserable whose hand reaches out to you, when you extend your hand not asking if that misery is true or if that fate has a vice by cause, when you let the whole justice in God's hand, when you pass to the Creator the punishment of all the false miseries, finally when you practice charity by the pleasure it provides, without questioning its utility, then you shall be the children that God shall love and embrace. So what they're telling us is, and I understand this perfectly well, because I myself have done this, is when I've gone through, and let's say I've walked from work from the ferry to where I work in Seattle, you pass a lot of these people on the streets. And I like to say, I'm not going to give you money, because if I give them money, they'll just either inject it or drink it. You know, they won't get food. So but it's amazing. My boss, who I used to you know, I used used to be my boss. I, I'm retired now, but he would try and give them, you know, like a card for money, or actually buy some food and give them food. And most of the time, almost most of the time, the vast majority of the time, is like, no, I don't want that. And it's disheartening. In fact, one time uh, he gave this person some food, and he goes, "Oh, what is it?" And then the lady behind us that was also walking, she says. Well, the, the, what you should say is thank you. <laughs> but again, to other people, though, when I used to walk into a store and I saw someone begging outside, I'd say, what do you want? And then I'd go buy them uh, what they want. In fact, I see that a lot here in Brazil. People will be outside of the store and say, can you buy me milk or can you buy me something like this? No, I'll go buy that for them. So I try to do that instead of money. But and again, I understand. But again, what the spirits books say is, look, if you're wrong, you're wrong. If you give them something and they use it for a bad reason, it's okay. You meant you meant well. Don't hurt your, you know, don't stop yourself from giving because you you um, you think it's it's enabling something bad. You know, and of course, if you really do, don't give it, right? You don't have to. No one's forcing you. But don't don't go overboard and give nothing because of people what you think people are undeserving. It also helps create this habit of you of, of giving. Okay. I'll carry on. Charity is the eternal anchor of salvation in all globes it is the purest, purest emanation of the creator it is it is his own virtue passed onto the creatures. How can you ignore such a supreme benevolence with that thought? Who would be the sufficiently perverse heart to suppress and repel that divine feeling? Who would be the sufficiently evil child to rebel against such a sweet touch of charity? I dare not mention what I have done as the spirits also have the modesty of their work. However, I think that the work I've initiated is one of those that should contribute a lot to alleviate your neighbors. I frequently see spirits requesting the mission to continue my work. I see my kind and dear sisters in the devout and divine ministry. Of course, and we still see the visit uh, uh, the Paul Society still in the United States today. I see them practicing the virtues that I recommend to you, finding the true joy provided by their existence of development and sacrifices. It is a great happiness to me to see how much dignified their character is, how much appreciated and protected their mission is. Good men, men of good and strong will, unite to continue the work of amplifying the propagation of charity. You shall find the reward of such a virtue through its own exercise. There isn't a spiritual happiness that cannot be provided by that in this existence already. 
be united, love one another according to the precepts of Christ. Amen. And then they asked him, question, we thank St. Vincent de Paul by this beautiful and good communication just given. Answer, I wish it were beneficial to all. Question, would you allow us a few complimentary questions about what you've just said? The answer is certainly, as my objective is to enlighten you. Ask whatever you want. Question one. Charity can be understood in two ways, the alms properly said, and the love toward humanity. When you say that we should open our hearts to the request of the unfortunate that reaches out to us without asking if their misery is fake, wasn't your intention to talk about charity from the point of view of alms? The answer is yes, only in that paragraph. Number two, you said we should leave it to God's justice to appreciate the faults of misery. However, it seems to us that giving to those who do not deserve it without discernment or that could earn their... Their living through honest work is to encourage addiction and laziness. Okay, this is exactly what I was talking about. So this, again, this was true in the 1850s. Had the lazy ones easily found their neighbor's wallet open, they would multiply to infinity in detriment of those in real need. Okay, so here's the answer. You can identify those who can work, then charity compels you to do everything possible, everything to provide them with work. However, there are also miserable charlatans who know well how to simulate miseries that are not theirs. These are the ones who should be left to God's justice. So he says again, yes, that's true. And you can discern. And if you're certain, don't give them. But if you're not certain and you have something, then go ahead and help them. And if you're fooled, that's left to God's justice. Number three, someone who can only give a cent can choose between two unfortunate persons who beg for something. Has he the right to inquiry to see which one is in real need or should he give to the first to come without examination? And the answer is, should give to the one who seems to suffer the most. So again, use your own discernment. Number four, shouldn't it be part of charity the way it is done? The answer is, the merit of charity is in the way it is done. Above all, benevolence is always an indication of a nice soul. Number, oh, went too far, sorry. Number five, which kind of merit do you recognize on those who are generally known as occasional benefactors? The answer is they only do half of the good deeds. Their benefits are received, but don't do them any good. Number six, Jesus said, do not, left, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do those who give for ostentation have any merit? The answer is they have only, they have only the merit of pride for which they shall be punished. And again, I see this. Everyone sees this everywhere. But what really gets me is when corporations give and they give to these causes, these woke causes, and they give because they feel they should in order to publicly say, well, look, what a great organization we are. And they publicize it. Unlike other people who are rich, not so rich, they just give and they don't write and they don't make big ads or big newspaper articles about it. That's what Jesus means. So I never trust those corporations that just show what good, good what good they do. And I've worked for many of them. And believe me, it's all selfishness. It's all for a reason. It's too bad. Well, at least they're giving something. But sometimes they give the organizations that are horrible organizations just because yeah, it's the politically correct thing to do. Number seven, Christian charity in its broadest meaning does it not encompass kindness, benevolence, and indulgence towards others' weaknesses? The answer is do as Jesus. 
He told you everything. Listen to him ever more than ever. Number eight, is charity well understood when exclusive among creatures of the same opinion or from the same party? The answer is no. It is the spirit of sect or party that above all has to be abolished. Hence, all men are brothers. This is the point where we concentrate our efforts. And this is the hard part to rise, right? Because what he's, what he's really saying is human nature is you love your family you love your extended family. You kind of love your, your tribe, political party, whatever, your city, people that you associate with, you affiliate with more than you like, like those other people over there. And I totally understand that. And it doesn't mean you have to be the best friends with them because they don't share the, you know, because if they don't share the same opinion, you don't have to be with them. But there's nothing wrong with you loving them from afar and wishing, wishing them all the success and worlds and wishing them, hopefully, for all of them to become spiritually uh, educated. Don't wish ill on anyone. Don't say, oh, I wish that whole thing could be abolished, right? You don't want to do that. Wish everyone well. You, may, you can certainly have the freedom to disagree and not associate, but don't actively have bad thoughts about them. That's the first step. Do that and other things will follow. Number nine, suppose a person sees two men in danger, but he can only save one. One is his friend, the other is his enemy. Who should he save? The answer is he must save the friend, as the friend could accuse him of lack of friendship. As for the other, God will take care of him. So again, those are very good answers. It's okay, yeah. You know your friend. You love your friend. Save your friend. Trust in God for the other one. You were given that test. You know, you don't go leave your friend to die while you you take care of this stranger just because you want to prove that you are this benevolent creature over everything. No, save your friend. And that that is good advice for almost everything we do is be loyal, help, and give charity to your friends if you can first and help others. But don't block them out. Don't hate them. Don't wish them bad things but pray and say god please help these other people okay so we are at an end of that today so i hope everyone felt that uh was interesting so if you would like to learn more about the spirit world i would suggest you read the spirit realm spiritism has revealed the reality of our existence and it will tell you about the spirit realm the physical realm which is a subset of the spirit realm tell you about why you're on earth you're in this campus called earth and you're here for the reason to learn this is a big school that's why don't worry the things you go through. It's just all part of the learning experience. It's just one class after another. And when you're into one bad experience, eventually the bell will ring and you'll go to the next experience. Sometimes it'll be good, sometimes it'll be bad. Everything is transitory except your life. You're immortal. So you'll get out of this life eventually. You'll go to heaven. You'll go to some uh, superior location in the spirit world. And you'll look at back at, the same, at this, hopefully saying, I improve my personality and my character because that's really all that needs to be done. Everything else is baggage you're not bringing over. Anyway, I want to say thanks for everyone and God bless.